M-U-P, now Melbourne University Publishing, but originally Melbourne University Press is Australia's oldest university press. It's had some noteworthy and newsworthy figures at the helm, Frank Wilmot, Peter Ryan, Louise Adler. Its publications include the Australian Dictionary of Biography, Manning Clark's History of Australia, and my special favourite, Mark Latham's Diaries. Perhaps more than any other university press, MUP has wrestled with the question of what is a university press for and who is it for. Enter Stuart Kells and his highly readable MUP, A Centenary History. Last with us in uh, 2021, as I recall, Stuart, talking to my colleague Jonathan Green about water rights in the Murray-Darling. He Mm -hmm. co-authored a book called Sold Down the River. Stuart is a bibliophile, a passionate collector and admirer of books, but he also churns them out himself. Well, almost one a year, it would seem. So clearly, he was the bloke for the job. Stuart... There were grand ambitions for MUP. I had no idea that it wants to be a national university press. That's right. Hi, Philip. It was um, national in its ambition right from the start, really, Uh, even though it was um, attached to the University of Melbourne. The very first book was from um, Sydney University, a scholar, Myra Willard. So right from the beginning, they were publishing from other universities. And, yeah, quite quickly, um, the press's leaders had ambitions not just to be a, a Melbourne University press but to be a national university press. And that meant, in the first instance, printing books for other universities. But in the 50s, even more so, the ambition was to become the Australian University's press. Now, in the Gwyn James era, and he was head of MEP from 1943 to 62, he pursued a big growth strategy. Mm, He was all about growth and ambition. He was very interested mainly in the publishing and printing sides because for a long time the press had a a very profitable bookshop as well. But, yeah, he grew internationally, so he had a London representative. He had offices um, around Australia in Sydney and and Hobart uh, and in the city of Melbourne as well as at the university campus. And he grew the press from being essentially just a bookshop and a, and a publishing house to being a full industrial printery. And um, he had all sorts of ambitions, not just for publishing university and sort of scholarly books, but also becoming a bit like an everyman's library. So publishing reprints and mainstream books and all sorts of things. So it was all about ambition. When he passed the torch to Peter Ryan in uh, 1962 and Peter was there for yonks, mm. did, did Peter try as well? In that era, there was definitely a sense that um, Melbourne University Press could be a national press and that came up very strongly with the Grimwades. So Russell and Mab Grimwade made a big bequest to to um, the university and to MUP. And the thought was that that would allow um, MUP to move down to the Magunya property and expand and be a, a national I think you should press. explain Magunya. 
this was a, a fine home uh, down in uh, Turek, uh, in a nice part of Melbourne, um, and it was a, a very um, important early property owned by the Grimwades, who were industrialists and, and uh, philanthropists, and they gifted that property. So when they were planning their, their wills and their estate, the intention was that that property would be gifted to the university and to MUP to use as the home of the press and the home of the printery, uh, and to be this national national asset. Now, for a whole bunch of reasons, it didn't work out that way, but the, the bequest still became an incredibly important thing for the university and the press. Well, but it, they it didn't quite bring off the, the national ambition, but of course they collaborated with other university presses, Queensland, ANU, so MUP was always a hub. Yes, it mentored some of the other presses as they arrived in Australia. So we had um, UWA Press arriving in 1935, um, the University of Queensland Press in 1948, ANU Press a little bit later in the, in the 60s, I think, from memory, or late 50s. And so um, MUP was mentoring these other presses, but also co-publishing with them and was very prominent in the Association of Australian University Presses as well. Probably the most widely known episode in this publishing history is from more recent years, Louise Adler's uh, high-profile tenure and walkout. And there was an extract from your book in The Australian on the weekend covering that. So remind us about Louise, and I should point out she's a long-term friend of the program and of me. In fact, she used to sit in and present it from time to time. Tell us what Louise was brought in to do. Well, it's important to remember what the world was like at that time. She started at MUP in 2003, which was the height of you know, eco economic rationalism and neoliberalism in Australia. You had Alan Gilbert as the Vice-Chancellor of Melbourne pursuing a, a really strong campaign of uh, private university services, uh, commercialisation. So it was in that particular uh, mindset that uh, Louise was, was engaged really to commercialise the press, to go more deeply into trade publishing, to use the press as an instrument of public engagement. And so she had a really strong uh, commercial mandate, and that's exactly what she pursued. And, of course, a strong personality. You quote uh, <laughs> Vice-Chancellor <laughs> Glyn Davis, who came to the uni in 2005, and he said, when asked how to negotiate with Louise, my advice is always save time, give in now. <laughs> so from the very outset, she was a controversial appointment. Yes, yes. There are all sorts of things published in the media at that time, quite unkind things about her style and her CV and other things. But she, she knew where she was going and she had, as I said, a very strong mandate and uh, she really grabbed the press uh, and, and carved a, a, a place for herself in some ways quite similar to Peter Ryan, which was that she was very strong in advocating for her authors, very strong in pursuing people to write the kinds of books that she thought needed to be written. And a bit like Ryan also, she was very interested in political publishing. Well, she published or republished one of my books and I found her quite a formidable editor. Now, I mentioned my great love of the, uh, of the Latham Diaries, but I'd forgotten that uh, she had an underworld figure in Mick Gatto on her list. Mm. 
Well, my view of the Gatto book, obviously it was extremely successful. Um, it sold something like 90,000 copies, which, as you know, is extraordinary in Australia. But also with a commercial mandate and a, um, a mass market mandate for um, whatever you think of the particular book, it was a work of biography. It was a work of local history. It was very much a Melbourne story and an Australian story. And uh, it sold uh, extremely well. Now, from the point of view of the university, though, and the point of view of how um, people in the university engaged with Louise and, and thought about the press, it was a bit of a lightning rod for criticism of the press that it had gone too far down the commercial track but as i said she was she was doing what she was engaged to do uh, and uh, on commercial criteria and on trade publishing criteria it was extremely successful Stuart, as we speak louise is uh, running the adelaide writers festival mm. i should point out because it feels strange talking about her in the past tense her first big commercial success at mup was in fact what might be seen as the perfect hybrid of commercial and academic content, a book called The History Wars. Mm, the um, Stuart McIntyre and Anna Clark book, that's right. She very successfully engaged with those sorts of controversies in politics and in culture, as did Peter Ryan, as you know, with his uh, controversial uh, views about Manning Clark as well. So, uh, again, uh, Louise look, was in a Let's go back to that because it has to be mentioned. Is mm. Peter Ryan attacking his star author, Manning Clark, in brief? The story, please. Well, when um, Ryan started at MUP, Manning Clark's um, History of Australia had already been commissioned. It was a bit of an open-ended commitment. It ended up being six volumes, but it was unclear at the start. And so Peter Ryan inherited that from his predecessor. And uh, it's, I think it's fair to say that the first volumes, they had issues around their um, facts and their uh, prose style and various other things, and it was a big effort to um, lift them editorially. And they were still they still attracted quite a lot of criticism. They were extremely successful and they were very important works, but they attracted a lot of criticism from academic historians and others. So publishing Manning Clark for Peter Ryan was a difficult experience and he had all sorts of mixed views about Manning Clark. It was a commercial success, but it was also uh, an editorial grind. Uh, and Manning Clark was uh, prone to misbehaviour, uh, such as you know, dallying with other publishers and things like that. <laughs> so after Manning Clark's death, um, Peter Ryan published a, a reappraisal of Clark, which was seen widely seen as bad form. Now, Louise, she's described as a force of nature, and she uh, commits herself to publishing political books pretty much across the spectrum. There's Greg Combe's The Fights of My Life, Shortens for the Common Good, Sam Destiari's One Halal of a Story, and the aforementioned Latham Diaries. Oh, I forgot, Tony Abbott's Battle Lines. Heavens above, that's casting mm. a very wide net. <laughs> but very deliberately. Um, and Louise Adler had a strong view, which is a very valid view, that there's this sort of sense that, that there's only good political writing on the left uh, and there's only an interest in political writing on the left. And she showed that that wasn't the case. And some of the, the books, the Howard biography, uh, the Costello memoir, were um, you know extremely successful from a trade publishing and a commercial point of view, but also really important national documents. 
yeah. Now, let's go to my favourite, the Mark Latham book, but there was a bidding war over it. Yes. Yeah, well, this was one of the other lightning rods of criticism of, of Adler, um, which was that um, she was overpaying for um, authors or that um, she really shouldn't have been competing at all for um, authors that could have been published and works that could have been published commercially. Um, so this is that yeah, long-term and inherent tension of whether a university press should act like a trade publisher. And if you're going to act like a trade publisher, you've got to be in there. And that means offering advances for um, for authors and for manuscripts. But again, it was something that people in the university had uh, contentious views about. And I guess competitors would cry foul because she had a university subsidy behind her. Mm, that's right. And that's a long-term uh, reality of university presses that um, they have uh, all sorts of implicit subsidies by being attached to the university and having access to content and facilities and things, but also they receive typically a direct subsidy because it's very, very hard to publish. You might remember in Ray Bradbury's marvellous book, Fahrenheit 451, people memorise books to keep them alive. And I, in fact, memorised the Latham Diaries from front to back. And uh, how many did it sell apart from the dozen I bought? <laughs> um, from memory, it was certainly in the, well into the tens of thousands. Um, I'm thinking it's... Um, yeah, something like maybe 55,000 hard, hardback copies, I think, from memory. Um, so it was by far one of the top-selling books of um, MUP's history. And, uh, yeah, again, people criticised whether MUP should have published it at all, whether it met the standards of the university press, whether he had any kind of connection to the university that justified publishing it. But the bottom line was it was a really important social and cultural and political document, and it was uh, you know, a very successful book in the market. Now, in the end, dramatic parting of the ways between uh, Louise and Melbourne Uni. Mm. What happened? Well, um, there's a few different catalysts. A lot of these issues had been bubbling uh, for a long time that we've touched on. Glyn Davis finished up as Vice-Chancellor in 2018 uh, and he'd very much been a, uh, someone who embraced Louise's vision of the press and, you know, the elements of outreach and political engagement and those sorts of things. But it's also true to say that there were views in the university around how far the press should go down that trade press track and how far it should go down that um, political and social engagement track. So with new people in the university and with these sorts of issues uh, existing for a long time, the university made a decision to uh, essentially establish an editorial board which was a bit like a peer review committee. The intention was to put some boundaries around the kinds of publishing and this, these things are cycles, right? That, that, you know, these sorts of um, presses move in a pendulum motion between very commercial and not very commercial, uh, and this is really just moving that pendulum back. Stuart, did you talk to Louise for the book? No, I haven't, Philip. Um, the way that I've approached the book in general, and I haven't spoken to the leaders of the university either, um, I think there's two things I'd say about that. One is primarily I've relied on documentary evidence, so uh, the archives, uh, the business archives at MUP, but also the archives at the university, 
and uh, I've relied on material on the public record. So I've relied on a lot of things from from Louise uh, through interviews and other things. And that's given me quite a lot of really good material to characterise that era. But it is just one era among you know, a dozen different eras. And it's not just about the leaders of the press. It's about the everyday experience of working in the press, the outputs of the press, the um, you know, the, the rhythms of working in a publishing house. So where I've had gaps, I have um, interviewed people, including from that from that era, um, but primarily the evidence base for the centenary history is documentary. It is an inherent awkwardness with the, um, the walkout and all those sorts of things. And so uh, my job is to, to provide a, a correct and uh, balanced picture for the reader and uh, to navigate through that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think um, it's been a, a really fascinating exercise. Back to the uh, controversies of yesteryear, we had uh, Peter Ryan accusing Manning Clark of being an Ern Melly hoaxer, but mm. I didn't realise that even something as dignified as the Dictionary of Biography could provoke fireworks. Tell me mm. about that. Well, in the first, uh, for the first volume of ADB, there was a committee, Canberra-based committee, that appointed Manning Clark and Malcolm Ellis as the joint editors of the first volume. And um, uh, their politics were very different. Their ideas of history and biography were very different. And pretty soon they had a, a spectacular falling out and it was really messy and essentially Ellis walked and uh, on the way out made all sorts of claims and made all sorts of complaints around uh, Clark, around the ADB project, around the academic committees behind it uh, and did everything he could to, um, you know, uh, pour kerosene on it. Heavens above and let the record show that uh, Malcolm Malcolm Ellis was a bit right-wing and Manning Clark could be seen as a bit of a lefty. So publishing is not the peaceful, tranquil place <laughs> that one might imagine. Yes. We should note that uh, in finishing that Mianjin, that August journal that we've talked quite a lot about on the program in recent times, also published by MUP and very much a part of its cultural contribution Thank you, Stuart Kells, author of MUP, A Centenary History, published, yes, by MUP. Well, it's imprint, the Magunya Press. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.